welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fourth chapter. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome. If you were up early, it went from sunny and nice to cloudy, but it is certainly uh, temperate weather for this time of January. Uh, good thing we have a number of folks who have traveled to Miles City uh, for a, uh, a community 
orchestra concert that'll take place here in the sanctuary. So if you notice some things maybe just slightly askew here in the front, uh, they had to set up for the concert last night and then reset for worship this morning and then reset for the concert two o'clock this afternoon to which you are invited. And one of the musicians who's traveled, certainly no strangers to the congregation, uh, Sid and Kim uh, Strand. Kim is going to be playing with the orchestra and she will be providing uh, music during a distribution today. Is it viola or violin today? Viola or violin? What are you playing? Violin today. Okay. Uh, and so you are most, uh, uh, most sincerely invited to that concert. Um, I was asked earlier this morning uh, when Easter was this year. It's one of those movable holidays, right? Um, and uh, this year, February 26th, marks the beginning of Lent with Ash Wednesday. And April 12th, April 12th will be uh, Easter 2020, 77 days from now. Uh, and so, again, I bid you, I bid you welcome as we spend some time together uh, with Matthew's Gospel today. Matthew's Gospel. Last week we were reading from John's Gospel, and this week Matthew's Gospel. But if you uh, noticed, um, they're both describing the same event, the calling of Andrew and Simon Peter. Uh, they're both describing the call of these brothers, uh, but they describe them in quite different ways. Okay, uh, Last week, John, in his gospel, wrote words that you uh, uh, may recall. Reading from his gospel, Behold the Lamb of God. And then one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Okay, The call of the two brothers. Now, this week, if you look at the text before you from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew recounted, the call of uh, Peter and Andrew uh, this way. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them in. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So, um, let's begin by re recalling what we've observed before, that uh, this year, the majority of our readings will come from Matthew's Gospel. And Matthew uh, had... Uh, um, a specific intent in writing his gospel, and that was the appeal, an appeal to the Jewish people, to the people of synagogue and temple, people that knew the prophets. 
and his goal was to explain to them in an understandable way how the uh, prophecies of old that they all knew were fulfilled and accomplished in this person, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, how Jesus was the Messiah. Whereas uh, Luke, we've said before, was appealing to non-Jewish people, Romans, uh, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, uh, they both benefited uh, from access to a source document, a couple of source documents we actually think, but the principal source document being Mark's Gospel, uh, and uh, they drew heavily upon Mark's first gospel. Uh, he was the first to write. Uh, both Matthew and Luke then drew upon Mark and then articulated their additions to the gospel from their own experience and knowledge so that they might accomplish what John really describes for us as their, their intent and purpose. Uh, and so more on that in a minute, but let's just agree to agree, uh, agree that Matthew and John recalled the disciples' beginnings with Jesus quite differently. Okay, One as a result of uh, Andrew following Jesus and then going and fetching uh, Simon uh, to come and see, <laughs> uh, and then he was renamed uh, Peter. And then here today in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew uh, recalls Jesus finding them uh, along the lake, along with uh, uh, James and John. They just see it differently. John, when he wrote, did not have benefit of the source documents, or chose not to use them, uh, the source of Mark's gospel, uh, or that writing, those writings of either Matthew or Luke. John was about something very, in, very specific and very intentional. John wasn't trying to write history as we think of history. Think about the beginning of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's different altogether than the other gospels. So not surprising, John simply isn't trying to make things fit. Um, that is uh, not one of their issues. They just see it differently, and I suggest that it is unfair uh, to impose our need for harmony upon either Matthew or John, for that matter, Luke, uh, in reading the Gospels. When we see these differences in sequencing of events or timing of events, clearly neither they nor the early church felt the need to do so, did they? Attempts to harmonize, I think, would be our placing of our agenda above revelation. And so let's just acknowledge they see things differently. They recalled things differently. Decades had passed. Now, scholars tell us that Matthew wrote with benefit of Mark's gospel before him, and Mark was the first to write a gospel. Matthew wanted to emphasize how Jesus fulfilled the Hebrew prophets of old, and that is why today, again, we hear repeated in the lesson words that, uh, uh, that, we, he that we recognize from being heard just recently at Christmas. Okay? Those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Okay? Whereas John writing years after Matthew and not relying upon other source texts, honors the often used imagery of the New Testament of fishing and nets and boats and lakes 
in describing the call of Peter and Andrew, James and John. And what probably should surprise no one, that John mentions Peter before Andrew, as by the time John wrote, uh, Peter was established as the head of Jesus' fledgling church. Peter was the rock, first among equals. And so rather than having Andrew finding Peter, we today hear of Jesus calling Peter first. Moreover, John was quite explicit in his reason for writing, his purpose in writing. John was not trying to write, again, history as we think of history 20 centuries later. John wrote without apology in the 20th chapter, quote, these things are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, may have life in his name. John wanted the reader, the hearer, to join him and the church in believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited one. Let's consider for a moment John's words that you may come to believe. Come to believe to me implies a process, okay? Coming to believe, come to believe, process to me. And it's distinct, it sort of contrasts with the response of those called today. And immediately they left everything and followed. So we have the, 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 the experience of the disciples, the, the first 12, and their response was immediacy. They, they left everything, father, nets, boats, business, to follow Jesus. But John seems to recognize something I think probably more common to our experience, and that is we come to believe. It's a process, okay? The process of believing. As when Jesus was sought to free a child from a demon in Mark's gospel during the course of the encounter uh, of that miracle, Jesus uh, reminds the child's father that through faith, all things are possible. Jesus said to the man, all things can be done for the one who believes. And it was Mark who remembered, immediately, there's that word again, immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe. Some of you know what comes next. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Faith is both gift and process, I think. Come to believe stands for us in contrast to the immediate response that we hear of the four disciples called today. I think our faith experience is probably going to be more like the process experience uh, than the sudden experience. And so when encountering seeming inconsistencies, in the biblical narratives, I think one must never lose sight of the reason we have the four Gospels. Again, John seems to sum it up succinctly. John writes, these things are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. As the church, 
Christian people are foremost a people of faith. Faith which is confessed to be wholly reliant upon God's grace. Faith neither and never created or supplemented by the force or the power of human will or intellect, but which is received as evidence of the activity of the Holy Spirit and that one coming to believe. This is Christ-centered faith. And it leaves the Christian person in the safe harbor of God's love. God's love revealed through Jesus's life and his teachings as we study now, his death and his resurrection. It is freeing from the law as in the past. It also frees you from the peril of losing your faith should you in the course of time lose your mind or your intellect. I recall watching my own mother descend into that profound loss of memories of Alzheimer's disease. Should her faith have rested upon her power to own it herself, that disease would surely have taken her faith as well. In the church, we observe that once Christ-centered faith is apprehended, I like that word, it's apprehended or realized, uh other things do become important and indeed even incumbent upon those called to faith by God's grace. After faith comes discipleship. Among faith's incumbencies is the call then to strive for the things of God. Paul would say you can no longer live as before. The consequence of faith is to strive for the things of God and among them a more holy life and a recognition that though, though we may strive, no one's going to live up to God's high expectations. Paul, at his apostolic best, wrote to the Romans, therefore, just as one man's trespass, Adam's, led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness, Jesus, leads to justification and life for all. For just as one man's disobedience, through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin did abound, grace did abound all the more. Just as Peter and Andrew were called to discipleship, so too are Christians today called to discipleship as a result of God's grace and faith that reveals Jesus as the Messiah. Discipleship. A disciple is quite literally one who is taught. Part of discipleship is being taught to strive 
toward a sanctified life. These are words we don't oft use, aren't they? Justification, sanctification. Sanctified, the parent word there is sanctus or holy. Disciples are those taught to live holy lives. Living a holy life is not easy. Living a holy life requires both intentionality and it requires effort and exertion on our part. It's like living in a covenant relationship, maybe best mirrored in marriage. Difficult, but worth it. Whether marriage or with God, such a life involves sacrifice. Again, upon hearing their call to discipleship, Peter and Andrew, as well as James and John, immediately left their nets to follow Jesus, and that was a sacrifice as well, was it not? But do notice and take away here today the proper sequence in these essential elements in the Christian life. First, justification. Then, sanctification. First, Jesus' work is done. It was accomplished, you see, on a little hill outside Jerusalem. But then, having apprehended this gospel, having been called by the Holy Spirit, the Christian's work begins. First we are justified in God's sight, then we respond to that gift. Justification, then sanctification, the process of discipleship, challenging, ongoing, growth and regression. Saints and sinners walking together beneath the cross where grace is found. It matters not how you were called, but that you are called. And so in closing, I saw a post on Facebook this past week, and I want to commend those words to you. Someone wrote, every saint had a past and every sinner has a future. God's grace, apprehended by faith, lived out in discipleship. For the sake of the world, for the sake of Jesus' disciples, for the sake of you and me. Justification and sanctification. The one belongs to Jesus. The other belongs to us. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.